This is a shock podcast. Hi, this is the I'm Not Crazy, I'm in Therapy podcast. I'm your host Fairy from Sitting in the Nude and I'm not crazy. I'm in therapy. So, this is my little introduction to explain to you what this podcast is about. If you can't already tell, I'm a big fan of therapy and I'm not crazy. Believe what you will. I'm passionate about mental health, so I wanted to take a different spin on how I wanted to do this podcast and thought, why not give you all the crazy worst ways instead? Right? I'm pretty sure we'll learn a lot of things this way and have fun doing it. My hope is this way we'll all get a little more comfortable about talking about this topic called mental health, and it doesn't have to be such a stress and hey maybe not such a crazy topic i'll be having guests along with my resident therapist for the podcast dr chua clinical psychologist international researcher educator as well as founder of relate malaysia so here we go hi mira and dr chua thanks for joining the very first episode of I'm not crazy I'm in therapy podcast I'm a little bit nervy a little bit nervous but I'm also excited that this is finally happening cuz this really took some time for me to think about as you know side note I'm kind of a perfectionist so I want everything to be on point um yeah I would like to introduce first my first guest which is Mira so Mira works in a sustainable development and she realized that for her to be sustainably happy she needs to work on herself and this set her on the path to starting therapy and trying to generally be more open about her mental health yeah she didn't she didn't write that <laughs> <laughs> and I have Dr Chua as a renowned mental health advocate Dr Chua has been a sought after speaker over the past 10 years appearing on radio and in print media as well as delivering three TEDx talks since 2017 cool cool stuff <laughs> so do extend more on both your intros guys if i you know based on what i said um mira you, you so you're saying that you just started therapy mm-hmm. and how's it going it's going <clears throat> i would say it's been life changing without being so dramatic <laughs> but it has been like um so i started actually i started when you wanted to do this podcast right you asked me if i wanted to come in and that was before i started therapy right and you were like um would you come in and talk about wanting to start it and then since then since everything like took place i've actually had you know a few months of therapy already yeah and i know what it's like to like it's still fresh in my memory to kind of go through that journey of where do i go yeah. who do i see yeah. what kind of therapy uh do i want to like partake do i tell people about it so you know that kind of experience is pretty fresh in my head so i'm kind of happy that i i have that to share today yeah yeah thanks for coming on and you know joining us and not everyone will want to talk about getting into therapy and i guess that's the whole point of the podcast as well you shared with me there are five crazy worst ways to start therapy mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about that and you're going to tell me those five before we get into that topic dr chua i want to hear from you without sounding so announcery <laughs> that did you ever like go into therapy before you became a therapist so how do you relate to this topic i wouldn't say before um i I've, i've been in therapy for past 5 years i'm still in therapy mm. right now it's part of our training so i think i mean i'm already going to give the answer away a good way to know if you you know if someone you want to work with you want to know that they they have also mm. been to therapy mm-hmm. so um. i'm going to i've i've got my answer right at the start of <laughs> my introduction but yeah i've been in therapy for about 5 years so it's continuing investment in myself 
uh, as a person and also as a therapist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how it's fairly recent too. Yeah, well, before that, I wasn't crazy, so. <laughs> <laughs> right. How long ago was it when you be- when you became a therapist? Like, how did that come about? Do tell, do share more about yourself. Right. Um. I think it was when I graduated 2012. It seems very recent, but I guess it's not not that recent. It's a decade ago. Um, I I was depressed around 2014, so I, I started um, maybe a year after the, I fell into depression. Um, and then it, it's through my depression I realized how real the personal stigma is, you know, because mm. uh, even though I'm a th- I'm a psychologist, I'm a clinical psychologist, I was, I couldn't uh, come to terms with that I myself was depressed, mm. you know. So I sort of it took a long while, I think, for me to do it. I didn't jump on, you know, oh, I'm a clinical psychologist, I'm depressed, let me go for help straight away. It was really struggling with that. And so I think, regardless of your profession or who you are, you know, it's it's quite hard news. For you to come to terms with mm-hmm. that you have an illness, even though there's a there's a way out of it. Um, so I think it took me about a year or two, um, and then since then I'm in therapy. Mm. Yeah. Cool, cool. I do love hearing a story behind how a psychologist or a therapist get into becoming a psychologist or a therapist. Actually, because I think I have met some, and they said like, oh yeah, they also had depression or had anxiety first, and then they wanted to go into a more self-reflective thing, and then they actually. You know, become counselors or therapists or psychologists. But you, you were already a psychologist. I was already a when you figured out yeah. that I thought everyone else was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to it, trying <laughs> healing, healing the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Mira, what was the reason for getting into therapy in the first place? Before we get into the five ways. Um, well, I did struggle with depression in my early twenties, um, and it was really hard to get out of it. Right, uh, and I didn't really have uh, the option to go to a therapist back then, uh, so it was a lot of like self work. And then as I got older, I realized that yeah, I've made progress in my mental health, but there's some unresolved issues that I just can't get to by myself. Like I kind of imagine it like a cat litter where you're like sifting everything and the shit's still there, and you're like, I don't know how to do this anymore. <laughs> so I realized that um, when you know I started earning enough, I can pay myself to uh, I can pay a therapist to help me out and I, I'm not depressed anymore but I think it's more in terms of upkeep and like building my resilience yes. so I don't get to that place yeah. again or if I do it's not as bad as before yeah yeah, agreed I love that definitely upkeep I still do upkeep mm-hmm. yeah cool let's get into the five ways then the five crazy worst ways to start therapy So Mira, you wrote in, expect to find your goodwill hunting on the first try. So I'm not going to lie, I've not watched that movie. So I think this will help the people who have not watched the movie as well. So maybe you could explain more to why you said that. Okay, so you should watch that movie, okay, especially yeah, will, if you're yeah. talking about therapy and all. But um, basically, it's uh, a film about Matt Damon and uh, Robin Williams, who's his therapist. And Matt Damon is this super genius, but he has a lot of baggage. And they send him to see a therapist, who's Robin Williams, and they end up becoming like really close. They connect on like this whole different level, and it ends with like them hugging and crying and like really feeling each other. And um, I got inspired by a friend who I suggested to go see a counselor because he wasn't feeling very good. Um, and when he came back, I was like, "Oh, how did it go?" And he said, "Well, I'm kind of, 
I was kind of expecting Robin Williams like there to you know comfort him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, no, that's that's not it. Like that's a movie. You know, you can't have such high expectations because it's a process, and you're going to have to find therapists that you're compatible with as well because they're people. Yeah. Right. So there's a bit more of a hit or miss kind of thing. Right. So you, you're not going to get it on the first try for sure. Yeah. Agreed. 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 <laughs> agreed. <laughs> <laughs> like I think, um, Dr. Chow, maybe you can share how you feel about what she just said. Like, is that Does that happen all the time that people tend to expect their first session maybe to be so perfect and a revelation, like, oh, I'm a genius, like, all this nonsense, <laughs> you know? Like, has that happened before or is that even you? And then, like, when you go into therapy? I, well, I think, like, people going to therapy is, like, uh, it's hard. You know, it's hard to go into therapy and you're often in distress. So when you're going there, you want a breakthrough, you want a relief. I think it's very natural to be disappointed that mm-hmm. maybe you didn't have, you didn't feel better, you know. Um, and it's happened to me that my clients leave the first session not feeling better. <laughs> um, it's, as you said, you know, it's like going for your first date. Sometimes your first date doesn't always uh, mm-hmm. go great. It doesn't mean, you know, that's the end of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But is there enough there that you think, hey, you know what? We can we can work it we can work something out. I think this person genuinely cares mm-hmm. about me, but I understand the disappointment. You know, of course, you want to say it's not my fault. Will yeah. it's not my fault, and you want to, <laughs> you know, because you it's it's hard and it's painful. So you want something yeah. great. It's like a and how do you reassure people like people who who are not even comfortable going to therapy in mm, the first place? Mm-hmm. You know, and then they have like a bad first experience, and yeah. they're like, I knew it. It's not for me. Mm. Like therapy's yeah. Yeah, and then they freak out. Like yeah. how how do you how do you pacify or reassure oh, people like I that? I don't I don't think I pacify very well. Well, I, I think <laughs> I think sort of towards the end of therap- of the session, um, you all the therapists. If your therapist hasn't done this, then you can do it. But to give feedback, so usually towards the end of the session, I'll start asking the client, "How was it? You know, are you comfortable?" And I said, "Why don't we give it a try?" And I I usually give them a, a set number of sessions just to set expectations because that's been shown to work I was like come for 12 sessions and we'll see that's only three months you know (laughs) only right it's only three months you know Mm -hmm. like we've dated longer so come for for 12 sessions you know weekly sessions and the the research is really strong on this that at least you start feeling better but any point in time you can you can say I don't like this Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to come back that's okay and I think the therapist is giving permission to the client to let go you know without any consequences without taking personally I think that's the best because that's mm-hmm. the, the freedom of the client. Because clients feel bad, you know. Mm-hmm. Clients, yeah, feel, yeah. clients feel bad yeah. if they don't like you. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 don't want to make it about yourself and and needing the client to protect your feelings. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just let it go. Yeah. What do you think about that, Mira? About everything that was just mentioned? Yeah, I think um, definitely it's one of those. It's kind of tricky because it's, it's it is building a, a relationship with someone, and it's a different kind of relationship because they know the most intimate parts of you, yet they're not actually like a part of your life, like day to day life kind of thing yeah um so you do want to find someone that you're comfortable with but then at the same time you don't want to like get so scared and keep pushing all the therapists away because nobody's good enough because you haven't taken that step of actually finding the middle ground so yeah yeah, i think there's a few more in like the answers i gave you later that will cover this but yeah i think it's one of those um try it out like what dr chua said try it out for a period of time and gauge your compatibility 
Yeah. Yeah. I can I I'm not going to lie. I think when I when I went into my first session, uh no, actually I think I saw a psychiatrist first and then she straight away said that, "Oh, you've got ADHD." And then I was already like, "Okay." And I was a little bit freaked out mm. by that. Like, how can you, you know, say that straight away? And then I felt a bit uncomfortable, but I was like, "Okay, I'll ride with this." And then in the end, I didn't continue with her after that. But I think later on when I switched to therapist and I switched to another one, but um in the process, I'm very very particular like, "Okay, don't want anyone to take me for a ride so i put a whole like what is the plan like what you mentioned about the three month thing mm-hmm. right dr tra so i say that okay what are we achieving what is the goal like what goal can i set you know so those things are what i wanted to do when i met my therapist so for anyone who's listening you could try that but not be so crazy about it too <laughs> like <laughs> what i've just said so that's my experience with that so good one good one mira So let's get into the second one. So you wrote, "Hope to become friends with your therapist." Ah, <laughs> why did you write that? <laughs> that sounds so harsh. Like I don't want to be friends with my therapist, but there's a reason for it. So like one of my friends, I've been trying to get her to start therapy because I think it would be good for her, but she's nervous because she said that, uh, "Oh, I'm scared that." You know the therapist is not genuine uh, because they don't actually care about me because they're getting paid, right? Um, they, you know, they might not actually care what I have to say. And I told her, I'm like, even if that's the case, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you don't go to the the physician hoping to be friends with your doctor, mm. right? Yeah. So I always kind of equate um, mental health with physical health, and that kind of helps me approach it. So similar with um, going to a physical doctor, I'm not going in there thinking you really have to really care about like everything about me, mm. and you know know everything and be my friend to provide me the best service. Yeah. You well, know? some people do that, by the way. Do what? Some people do that. They really befriend their doctors. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my mom. Like, <laughs> she's overly friendly, but you know. And that, if that happens organically, fine. Yeah. Right. But you can't be like, can I be? I, I, at least for me, how I feel is, um, I don't feel like I need to be friends with my therapist because I want that boundary. Yeah. You know, I want to be like, I can tell you everything about what's happening with me, and I don't have to worry that, um, you know, I'll see you outside, and you know, we're all hanging out with like other friends, and uh, like, oh, she, is she gossiping about me or something along those lines? I, I yeah. like that. I see my therapist as I'm sorry because there are people too, but like a service provider. You know, like, like, please yeah. here, take my money and make yeah. me feel better. Okay, thank you. Bye bye. I'll go home now. <laughs> okay, we're good. Yeah. Well, Doctor Cha, <laughs> we are. We are service providers. I'm sorry. No, no. I think that's that. That's an appropriate way to describe us, right? Because we are. We've been trained. I mean, otherwise, why would you want to pay us? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's, there's a misconception. It's a very common misconception of if we pay you, you can't care for us. Mm-hmm. And you know, as if money somehow like reduces true affection. Yes. You mm. know, and and if you think about it, of of a kid, um, you know, when 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 you have a child, I mean, you're just paying for the child, and we did everything. You know, your child's completely dependent on you. But you can say that the child can genuinely form uh, a loving relationship with you. And I think um, so that's that's a question I had for my therapist too, of like, you know, how can I trust you? How do I know that you genuinely care? If I pay you, She's and she said, um, you're not paying me to care, you're just paying for my time. And mm. you can't pay for someone's affection. And I think 
you know, we do a lot of work uh, in our training, in our own personal sort of reflection and growth of how do we genuinely um, prize our client. And so if you have a therapist who you feel doesn't care about you, you know, doesn't prize you, doesn't value you as a person, then bring it up. I think sometimes it's because we find it hard to believe that we are valued. And so that's why I say bring it up so you can talk mm. about it. You know, it could be that someone really prizes you, but you're like, it can't be. Or it could be that the person actually doesn't care. So when you bring it up, the person goes like, no, I don't care about that. And mm. so, you know, bringing it up, I always say, bring up to your therapist. Um, don't just drop out because their mm. response will help inform you about whether or not it is a good fit as a good therapeutic relationship. Mm. So you're saying that like therapists do care. Of course, you form that relationship over time but then isn't there like a, a ruling where like you know you have to for therapists not to be friends outside oh yeah we're what? not your friends but doesn't yeah. mean I can't care yeah, yeah. true yeah. true I care very deeply for my clients mm. um, they don't want to be friends with me I mean as a therapist I'm 100% here listening to you as a friend you you have to listen to me yeah mm. too right and and you know i think i think that's a big difference between a, a therapeutic relationship and a friendship where you know you're going to a therapist to really try to understand and grow um and work on on the issues that you're facing and a friendship it's a two-way it's more mm-hmm. i think much yeah. more of a mutual yeah you know, uh, relationship when i i say broke up with my previous therapist because i was going to switch and try someone else there's nothing wrong with her it was just that i wanted to try a different kind of therapy i cried <laughs> i cried because there's an attachment it was like for a couple of years so i couldn't help it she didn't she didn't cry with me but no, that would be inappropriate <laughs> yeah, yeah well, why why didn't she but yeah but it was just um yeah i couldn't help it i was like you know thank you for everything and it was like a like a proper breakup and yeah, yeah. i hope i hope she misses me in some way too but i guess you know you have to have that boundary obviously yeah yeah, yeah. i mean if she cries for every client that ends <laughs> i mean she can't do her work yeah. right yeah so yes yeah. I, I think there, there has to be appropriate boundaries to enable us to do to remain somewhat objective when you're telling us your mm-hmm. story you know if, if, not, if we're too I think intertwined we, we won't do a good job anyway yeah. yeah and I think that a lot of people get into therapy because they care about helping people mm-hmm. so the money thing really doesn't sure yeah you get paid for it but I think majority of therapists. Well, I mean, doctors get paid too. Every yeah, I was going to relate yeah, back yeah, to that. Yeah. Where like I feel like my physician cares about yeah. me being healthy. You know, like why aren't they yes, questioned about their yeah. sincerity? Yeah, it's just yeah. take. Yeah, I think you take your job seriously and responsibly. But you, yes, you're working because you're paid. But you're also working. Hopefully, there's something about mm-hmm. the job that you value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Love that. Okay, let's move on into the next one for number three. Number three, Mira wrote, <laughs> look for a therapist. This is a crazy worst ways, by the way, repeating to you guys. Okay, so she wrote, look for a therapist you're specifically attracted to. <laughs> so why I don't did she write that? I've never thought of it that way I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be distracted the whole session you know <laughs> I mean you know that is one of the worst ways but did it ever cross your mind when you were looking for it like oh this one's pretty cute and like that would be very distracting is that why you wrote this <laughs> I think okay first it's 
an extension of the previous point about the whole boundary right. thing, right? So my therapist is a girl uh, and um, I'm not attracted <laughs> to her, which is perfect. Um, but it I, works out, yeah. <laughs> I think, actually when I was looking for a therapist, I was actually looking for a girl. I know that's a bit of a segue, but uh. for to relate to mm. each other better. So I did not want to have that distraction of ooh this guy knows so <laughs> yeah. much about me like I'm yes. being so vulnerable yeah. with myself and oh he's such a good listener that's a good <laughs> like, point actually and then that's like somehow good, yeah. form unintentionally yeah like a romantic attachment yeah you know I'm sure a lot of people think about <laughs> this actually I think for me as well like I personally wanted a, a female therapist as well but maybe I didn't really think about it too much to mm-hmm. why because I guess maybe I think that female to female they'll understand mm. better but that's not necessarily true what do you think Dr. Chua? Uh, my therapist is male mm. ah. so, older male I mean it's part also of my training as well as you know uh, I guess investment myself so I try to go for the most experienced sort of therapist mm. um, in the field out there but yeah I, I think Projected in a in a therapeutic it. relationship there will always be be something about that person that you will relate to on another level, right? If it's a very young therapist, it might feel a little bit more like a sister. If it's an older female, mm. it might feel a bit more like a mom, you know? And we're bringing in our baggage into the, the room, the metaphorical room. And so it's very natural, I think, to have not just an attachment that's a therapist client, but also re- the therapist might remind you of some someone mm. in your life. And so those feelings you know, transfer Mm. uh, there. Um, But yeah, I think you're not going in there to date. (laughs) And it's also unethical. (laughs) And uh, you're actually um, banned from dating your clients for, I think, two years. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. 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 You're banned for dating your client for... Can you repeat that? about two years. Yeah, you can't date your clients. After you've terminated terminated, the relationship. Because it's a vulnerable position, right? This person is coming to you for help. Mm. Um, It's part of the protection of the client who's vulnerable and usually in distress you don't want a therapist who's thinking about how, how do i you know sort of get involved in in the client's life female or male or, mm-hmm. or anything yeah mm-hmm. okay my next question is because this is a very juicy one <laughs> my next question is does it happen often like have you experienced this as a therapist where anyone's attracted to you or people tell you all these stories your other therapist friends are like yeah like you know they fell for me i had to terminate <laughs> You know the no. I am blessed with not being very attractive. Perhaps no, not no. true. <laughs> <Just> not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I don't think. I think there is always a level of attraction. You know, it just with appropriate boundaries, it doesn't have to grow, right? Mm-hmm. And and there's no shame in being attracted to your therapist. And I think bring it up to the open to talk about it. Mm. You know, rather than letting it kind of. But I get. I think Mira's point is I like, don't look for it. Yeah. But it can grow, and those are very natural feelings. So rather than kind of beat yourself for it or to try to ignore it, just to kind of bring it up and to talk about those feelings and find, you know, different outlets. Because that means that, you know, that you're, hey, being attracted to someone I think is very flattering. Mm. Oh, I have a good one. <laughs> there was once where I did go to couples therapy with my partner and. I was I think because you know the relationship wasn't so great at the time obviously that's why we kind of went there it wasn't like an upkeep thing but 
I was a bit like probably insecure and I was wondering whether because it was a female therapist I was wondering whether like he would like form attachment mm. of her because there were moments where like everything that I said to him he didn't seem to get it but when she said it obviously he was like oh like he suddenly like everything was so obvious and I'm like what the hell I've been saying this all this time so I mean is there anything that happens that way because there's always those things in the movies right where people go to couples therapy and then one of them falls for the therapist Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think that happens (laughs) Um, i'm not saying i i mean anything can happen i don't think it's that common but i do think your experience in couples therapy is very common Mm. right and that often when someone else says it you know your partner's hearing it in a different way Mm. you know it's nothing going to do by the time you're saying it, you're like, oh my God, this is like the 20th time. I mean, there is so much anger and frustration mm. and, and repetition that someone listening can, I think when they always hear it habitually, they stop listening. So when someone else says it, it could be the tone, it could be the words, it could be just a, a new person. They hear mm. it differently. differently. Yeah. And, and maybe it sinks in a little bit more. But yeah, I think, again, you could have brought that up with the therapist yeah you know it's something yeah. to talk about yeah yeah that's a good point didn't do it but maybe next time <laughs> be more honest with yeah. the therapist if it ever comes up cool that was a good one thanks Mira for sharing <laughs> that one um so let's move on to number four which is you wrote jump in blindly into your first therapy session without doing any research on the different kinds of therapy and services Mm -hmm. so yeah i agree like if you just jump in and not know i mean you could more likely be disappointed yeah and you'll get more frustrated and you would get off the the horse of like getting into this therapy journey right you Mm -hmm. know and a lot of people feel uncomfortable in the first place like sometimes if people go to me because i'm comfortable talking about therapy but people are like i'm scared i'm like oh really like i'm not scared about it so it's interesting to hear Mm -hmm. that people are scared and uh feel worried like sometimes they feel worried they're going to find out all these nasty things about themselves or something so um, they even ask me sometimes, who's your therapist? Yeah. yeah. And I and I say, well, you could find out my therapist, but you can try, but it might not personally suit you. But it's always trial and error, so I just reassure them. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Cha, what do you feel about that? Do you feel a lot of people forget or like don't know how to approach researching um, the different kinds of therapy and services? I mean, mm-hmm. you have uh, Relate Malaysia. How do you Yeah, educate? I'm a little bit torn about this one. I think if you are able to, go for it. But a lot of people, I think, find it difficult to make sense of the, mm. the sort of overwhelming amount of information out there. So I'll put the burden of informing the client on the therapist. So mm. my clients don't need to come in knowing a lot. But I'll, I'll spend time explaining to them. So it's I think it's for the therapist to do uh, to do that work, mm-hmm. you know. Because you can go online, I sure Google, but it's so overwhelming. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. You don't know what's suitable. Yeah. Um, at least even if you talk to a therapist first, find out a little bit more, and then maybe find out that what he or she is offering is not suitable. Mm-hmm. Ask for a referral. Tell the therapist, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Yeah. And then get yeah. a referral. And that's just going to be more helpful than spending hours mm-hmm. searching online. That's true. That's true. I think I got a referral from someone, saw that psychiatrist, and I said, oh, I didn't, I didn't want uh, medication or anything like that. So then I said, can I have a psychologist? And then they knew who to refer me to. And then mm-hmm. I happened to be comfortable 
with that therapist. Mm. So yeah, it's all a learning yeah. relationship process, mm-hmm. like dating but not dating lah. <laughs> la, like, I mean, thing, yeah. yeah, I guess you don't really do research into... Too much research. But yeah, you do research, as in you look and you, you Google a little bit or like yeah. you can ask I around. Think, I think yeah. maybe it comes from like... So like when I was when I was going through like really hard times in my early 20s, I saw the university counselor, right? Mm. But that's because I was like at the tipping point already. Me too, yeah. So I literally went like, <laughs> I don't know what to do, like <laughs> yeah. crying in the office. Yeah. And they're like, okay, so they sent me to a few and sent me to four and they figured mm. out what my issue was. Yeah. And that's fine. But then at this point in my life now where I feel like I have a better grasp on myself, I thought, okay, since it's upkeep, that's why I wanted to do like, the research. Where I'm like, okay, yeah. I don't feel like I'm at the tipping point, mm-hmm. but I don't want to get to that point. What kind of services do I need for that? Like, I don't think I need, um, you know, like, I don't need CBT, like, for example, but mm-hmm. I might need a different kind of ther- yeah. therapist. Yeah. But I guess that depends on the situation, Yeah. right? Like, do your research if mm-hmm. you're like me and you're looking for upkeep, but then don't feel bad if, you know, you just want to go and see someone and figure things out, like yeah. what Dr. Chua said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like, don't have to feel afraid also to try an experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. if it's... You don't feel comfortable with this one, try someone else. It might be tiring and disappointing, but yeah, because I know I know some friends where they're like, ah, I don't like this one too much. And after that, they just kind of get off it. And then I feel like they could, they could, you know, like go to therapy, but um, yeah, they, they don't feel comfortable and they yeah. didn't, they had a bad experience. Um, yeah. Does that happen often, Dr. Chua? Like going to someone having a bad experience? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I don't think that that matters whether you do research or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. So yeah. I think that happens, you know, whether you see a psychologist, you see a regular doctor, yeah, you see true. A, a job, like there's no pre- Good point, that you yeah. can't predict what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's worth a risk. Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, I think Mira is really pointing it out, is that like regardless of all these things, it's worth a risk. Mm-hmm. It's like getting into a relationship. There's there's going to be hard times, but it's worth the risk because the good things that you can get out of it um, is so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Quotable, that was great. <laughs> yeah, take that little risk and give it a shot and find mm-hmm. out. Yeah, it's yeah. the same you do it with romantic relationships or with friendships, right? You mm-hmm. learn like, okay, I don't like this person. Okay, bye, move along, you know, and yeah. you meet other people. So it's not the end of the world. Great, I really love that one, Mira. Thanks. Let's go into the very last one, which is number five. Keep seeing your therapist that makes you feel like shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, my, with my previous therapist, I didn't feel like shit. But I just didn't feel... I still felt like there's something not right. I mm-hmm. didn't feel... I don't want to use the word better, but I just still didn't feel very good about myself. I felt like I knew all these things about myself. Like, okay, I'm an anxious person. I this, la, la, la. And then, like, sometimes it's repeated back. Like, yeah, you, you are those things. I'm like, yeah, but I'm tired of knowing I am those things. Like, I want to be able to think more positively about it. I think I was very critical because I guess I am quite critical of myself. So... I don't know if this relates to what you just said, mm-hmm. but like making you feel like sh- because I don't think it was like a very wrong uh, therapist uh, patient relationship. It was just um, I wanted a change in terms of how I felt. Yeah. So yeah, I think I can relate to that. But what what was the reason why you wrote that? I mean, I'm lucky that I haven't had a bad experience with uh, a therapist or a counselor, but. Mm. 
because like you, I like to talk about, you know, mental health and being like seeing therapists. So people talk about it and they do come to me and share their experiences. Yeah. And I've heard some horror stories mm. of, and I've seen it. I've actually seen someone I care about come out from therapy in absolute tears saying they felt worse. Wow. And when they, and they were like shaking. Mm. And then later, like, so I was upset. So I went and talked. As, um, to the person to the therapist and I was like what happened and they're just like oh you know like very very blasé about it mm. you know so there was no care there and um, so I I convinced this person to keep trying and he saw four more people before he settled on one and it worked it worked yeah. perfectly well um, wow. so yeah I think it's one of those things where like don't continue seeing ones that make you feel like sh- and don't give up as well. Like it is a process. Yeah, which you know? is, relates back to the fourth one just now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Like Dr. Chua, how do you feel about what <laughs> I was just asked, How many people have I made feel bad? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I think the the distinction here being sort of quite extreme negative care right Mm -hmm. or the absence of care versus someone who cares but um i think very using like perhaps isn't helping you in the direction you want to go but it's not about the absence of care Mm. you know i think when there's the absence of care yeah then then the decision is so clear Mm. right yeah Um, again let the person know or if you don't want just leave well how do you know if there's an absence of care what are the signs (laughs) you know i don't hmm like for people who want to know if their therapist doesn't really well if you don't know if you're if unsure you don't feel it, yeah, yeah if, if you're you unsure then care. perhaps then have a conversation but i think often people have a gut feeling that this therapist maybe is rude to them it's, mm. it's sort of labeling them mm. in very negative terms um, when the person said, uh, I've had this hard childhood, the therapist said, ah, oh, hot man, you know, everybody also <laughs> like that. Well, you know, I'm like my day. you know, kind of just sort of dismissing you. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think so for the client, it's, it's a challenge. It's worth the challenge or it's a, it's a hard thing to do. Help, very helpful in your life but to say you know what your response is making me feel bad you know to mm. because you have to do that in your real life you have to sort of assert that and and claim that space and there's no better way than to start with a therapist and if the therapist reacts to that and says you know I, I what the heck are you saying then you know this person doesn't care mm-hmm. if the therapist yeah. then says you know I'm sorry that I made you feel that way and let's talk about it then you know there is some level mm-hmm. of care yeah you know yeah. and I, I think it's difficult because sometimes our own interpretations and our, our baggage and our perspective influences it um, so if you're on the fence and you're not sure talk about it if you're very very sure maybe talk to a friend and get some objective objective feedback mm-hmm. you know um, that's helpful yeah. yeah and then leave yeah don't even need to go back yeah mm-hmm. if it's that bad i like that that's very helpful advice actually yeah i mean what I, if your therapist is gaslighting would, you exactly I, I was gonna say that i was gonna say that because when you were mentioning like oh you know um the client can probably feel if they're they're maybe rude or dismissive but i feel like uh, maybe a lot of people might not be able to pick that up if they have low self-worth or insecure or they're used to that kind of conversation from, you know, the people that raised them. Yeah. There might be a hard time to distinct that kind of behavior from yeah. the therapist. Yeah. Right? That's why I'm probably talking to a friend. I, I will tell you what I'm very bad at. I, I don't respond to emails straight away. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that's nothing to do with the absence of care. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I'm not going to, I'm not, I just, I'm also quite busy. Um, but sometimes clients say too, you know, I send you an email, how come you haven't responded to? Mm. And so the, it's something for us to then talk about because I think these sort of negotiations need to happen in mm. real yeah. life yeah. too, yeah. right? And so the best place to learn how to relate to people outside your world is, it's, I think, in the, in the therapeutic relationship. Mm. You know, so all the things, perspectives that you might, as you said, someone with low self-worth um, who thinks, okay, I'm not worthwhile. But if you feel that and it was activated because of what your therapist did, talk about it. Mm. Yeah. Right? That's mm. good. That's a good point. I'm quite honest with my therapist, actually. Um, there was one moment where I was freaked out about something and I said, yeah, but I should say it. But if I don't say it, but I'm afraid that like this is this, like, you know, what if I'm con? But I just said it anyway because I can't keep it in my in my, my head long enough. But yeah, I am quite open with her. And then I, I suppose it's also uh, you develop a trust thing as yeah. well. But yeah, it's a, it's a gut thing, a trust thing as well, and, and based on how you move along with, in therapy, correct? Uh, okay, some people have this idea where um, the, the therapist doesn't have an incentive to actually cure you because once you feel mm. better, then they're not going to come back mm. and then they're not going to keep paying the therapist. Mm-hmm. So they're not. So there's that kind of... I, I don't agree with that wholeheartedly, but there is that kind of stigma. I've heard this before. Mm, right, from therapists? No, no, not from therapists. <laughs> from from people. Like, you know, oh, but why would the therapist want to, you know, make you feel better in the long term because mm-hmm. you're not going to come back, mm. right? Mm. So what would you say to that? I said, yeah, sometimes. I think, ther- uh, you know, any sort of doctor or even your service provider, as you have <laughs> called service providers, you know, there is a tension, as you, as you said, you know, we're, we're paid per client. And so perhaps very naturally there's a tension of if my client gets uh, you know recovers so well and my client has no need for me you know then I lose a source of income um, it's a it's something that I've thought about but you know I'll be so sad if my client's wasting their money to see mm-hmm. me over time and I have to face their distress and their sort of anger that they're not getting better um, so I don't want to see my client in distress. So I think that's sort of the first thing, right? I mean, someone not getting better, it's not that pleasant mm-hmm. to to face. Mm-hmm. You know, the person is trusting you. And I think you have to be quite sociopathic. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. To not care about about that person's distress and to say, okay, I don't care. You know, you just keep paying your money. So if my, if my clients, you know, come to me, I'm all, I mean, really every week I also ask, you know, how, how are you? Are you feeling better? Um, and and if they're not, it's I'm not happy too, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't want to see my clients having a bad time. I'm happy when uh, they don't come back. So mm-hmm. I try to work myself out of a job. But it also means that there's more space to help more people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't need your money forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've, I too have other I, there are other clients that are other people who want help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, and if if clients get better faster, sooner, more effectively, they'll spread the word about mm-hmm. your service um, so, you know clients who say you know I've been seeing my therapist for four years and nothing has helped nobody wants to go to that therapist yeah, yeah. so I think that, you know there's also an incentive for the therapist 
to do a very good job, yeah, or a good job uh, as good as they can, yeah. Um, because you know, a happy client is better, uh, I guess, publicity mm. than an unhappy <laughs> client. Yeah. I think I think it equates back to the whole like doctor physician thing. You're not questioning your doctor mm-hmm. the same thing, right? Like mm. you're not thinking my doctor is not making me healthy because he wants more money. He wants me to come back with a cold. <laughs> I think <laughs> so some people do believe that, though. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I I think yeah. I yeah. would I would raise that tension. I mean, I I think we can accept that there is that, and if yeah. you again feel. Mm. That after 12, 18 sessions, nothing has gotten better, mm. then don't go. Yeah. Like, there's nothing stopping you from leaving. Yeah. Right? It's your heart on money. Yeah. You don't, you don't, you don't feel like you're getting better. Let the therapist know and don't go back. Go to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Chuan and Mira, for joining me for the very first episode. Yay. Thanks, Mary. Thank you for having us. <laughs> um, so let me just say those five ways again for everyone. The five crazy worst ways to start therapy, which were expect to find your goodwill hunting on the first try. Number two, hope to become friends of your therapist. Look for a therapist you're specifically attracted to. Jump in blindly into your first therapy session without doing any research on the different kinds of therapy and services. And number five, keep seeing your therapist that makes you feel like sh. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope you guys don't do any of these things because we've like explained all those things to you and hopefully all the good things as well. I really enjoyed learning all these things from the wrong way and we've got like a lot of good ways from hearing Amira's ways and Dr. Chua's insight as well and I think we had a good conversation about everything so thank you for listening to the I'm Not Crazy I'm In Therapy podcast do follow at Sitting In The Nude for my community platform where we talk about all things vulnerable and do follow Dr. Chua's organization at Relate Malaysia for your mental health care